and welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. Matt Dudek, of course, is uh, on his whirlwind tour still, so uh, joining us instead is John Parker. Hey, Bob. Thanks so, so much for having me. John, of course, is uh, our primary writer over at HorizonRoundtable.com. You can find him on Twitter at JJParker084, and you can find the podcast on Twitter, as always, at Horizon RT. John, so I guess we should be happy that the top four seeds have made it to Indy. Um, and I guess it shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, maybe it's a mild bit of surprise, all things considered. I mean, you know, the the, the original, the, the first games obviously had, you know, kind of no surprise. Oakland beat Cleveland State. Cleveland State couldn't score. Oakland scored, you know, jumped out of the gym. The and Youngstown State won, beat Milwaukee. That shouldn't be a surprise to anybody either. And then, of course, you know we have. And then, of course, we had Green Bay, who ends up winning, beating. You know, we got Green Bay, who won, who had the single bye, of course. Yeah. And then, of course, you know they beat they beat Oakland, and you know UIC, who beat the crap out of beat the crap out of IUPUI. Um. Advances against uh, against Youngstown State. Well, I don't think we. Uh, we'll talk a little bit later about Youngstown State. I don't think we we're done seeing them yet. But I did want to kind of talk a little bit about the fact that I mean, if you saw any little bit of that IUPUI UIC first round game. Oh my god! <laughs> what I mean, for, uh, it was like a, it was the perfect storm of UIC not being able to do anything wrong, and IUPUI just. I don't want to say give up. But damn, it looked like it gave up. Hey, at least they did better than Northern Kentucky did the last time they played UIC. They, That's true. Their halftime uh, UIC. Oh, I don't know about that. Score. I mean, Which, I don't know about that. They kind of looked like, man. UIC's they, they, halftime score was Northern Kentucky's final score. IUPUI I, did a little better than that. A little better than that. I mean, I think I think <laughs> I really think I really think UIC was going looking for the looking for the chalupa at the end of that game, getting that uh, hundred points for the free chalupa. They did not get it though. But I mean, what do you expect? I mean, I I don't know. You look at you, you know, and like I said, we'll talk about the second round games and kind of what's going on a little later on. But it, you look at IUPUI, and you know. It just seemed to me that, you know, the only name I really heard that stood out that that entire time was Grant Weatherford. I mean, you know, say what you will about the team as a whole. It just seems to me that, you know, Weatherford seemed to be the guy who was still trying to keep everybody together, and it just wasn't working. It was just I, – I, I, I know we've kind of piled on IUPUI the last couple of – you know. Well, actually, the entire season we piled on them, but the way they went out was just sad. <laughs> I can't. I don't even. I don't think I even have the strength to make fun of them. It was just <laughs> sad. Yeah, it was really. I mean, how is it? I mean, I'm looking at it from a standpoint of how exactly. So, I mean, seriously, I mean, with with the. You know, with guys who are that good, you know, with with a, with a team that has that kind of talent, you had, you know, you have an all you had an all Horizon League player in Marcus Burke. Jalen Manette did uh, did Jalen Manette get anything? I don't think he got anything this year. 
No. Uh, no, he didn't. Which is, I, which is actually I kind of surprising. Third team. <laughs> which is kind of surprising. I, I'm pretty sure I had him on second team, but that's just me. Um, you had an all-defensive player in Elijah Goss, and then they just get trucked in the first round of the conference tournament. And and even and what makes it even worse is the fact that this is the same team that really made a go of it the last couple of games of the season because they went and surprised Oakland and almost got another win out of Detroit Mercy. And and I mean that's the inconsistency that uh, definitely on the power rankings had them the whole year I was saying, Hey, you know, if they get one of those games, they could win their first round game, but don't count on it. No. And and UIC has been kind of herky jerky too. And they always have been. Although I will say, obviously UIC has made a much better effort in, in the second half of the season. Yeah, they absolutely have. They made, I think UIC has obviously made a much more bigger, better effort this during the conference season than they did a non-conference and again that might you know as we as i've mentioned multiple times you know that may be that what if what if they had the whole squad the whole entire year would it be better maybe maybe Maybe. um maybe (laughs) but but the bottom line is that you know UIC came in and did exactly what a team that has that I believe has the best backcourt in the conference should do, and this just wax on, wax off on IUPUI. That was the that was it. I mean, just killed them. So, with that said, and with that said, now comes the waiting game. So it, it's pretty clear that Byron Rim is probably not gonna be. The, he's not going. He's just the interim. He's probably not going to be the permanent replacement. Yeah. Unless something strange happens. This is the Horizon League, so you never know. <laughs> hey, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, he kind of got thrown into just a a rough situation with you know. I, I know. I mean, the question is, should it have been a rough a situation? Given the looking at the talent. On that roster. Well, but it's really top-end talent. They have great top-end talent. Um, yeah. But. Uh, and top, but and then top, and I have to add top-end talent that I believe could have paced them to a lot more wins in the conference than it actually did. I believe that. I truly believe that they had they they that team is way that team is infinitely way too talented to only get win three freaking games. I mean, that's just that. That's I mean, it, it, I understand it was a no-win situation, but you know, you would have thought they would have like shot out, shot their way into at least more than three wins this season. But uh, you know, that's what I. Th- I mean, that's that's my opinion. That's what I think. But and I'm kind of. I don't know. I compared to the rest of the league, I would say. I mean, obviously, their their top two are phenomenal. I yeah. I do really like Goss, uh, Weatherford too. Uh, yeah. They had a great. They had a great. They got a great freshman in Mike DePersia. I think he did pretty good when he got his shots. Unfortunately, obviously, with that backcourt, he wasn't going to get too many yeah. of them. Yeah, I I loved a lot of what I saw from DePersia. Yeah, you know, kind of for what's going forward, it's kind of like uh, Courtney Brown at Milwaukee. It's like okay, there's there's some shakiness, but like you see yeah. 
flashes and it's like, okay, if and, that is consistent, this is going to be exactly. And so, but, but you see all of those and then you, it's, you know, it translates into a season that ends so, so badly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, so the couple of questions that have not been, that were not resolved last week that, and I, and possibly I think that maybe IUPUI is waiting until after the tournament is over to kind of make some decisions. And the, the university is not the only one who's in decision-making mode. You got to remember, of course, we have a lot of IUPUI players who can potentially grad transfer this year, after this year. Marcus Burke, I I think we're on Marcus Burke watch, I think. (laughs) Yeah, I know. um, Matt tweeted out that that highlight video that just kind of popped up late in the regular season. We got Uh, tagged on that, by the way. We got tagged. We got tagged on that highlight video. That's how we get. So I was like, "Oh, okay. Um, is there a reason you're tagging us on it?" Oh, you know yeah. Say something about I it, right? That part that that feels like a. I mean, it felt like a highlight reel as is, but. <laughs> but you tagged us in it, so. <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, well, no, to be fair, they actually did tag a couple of other people connected with the university, one of them being the one of their assistant coaches, I believe, oh, got tagged in that. Gotcha. Okay. But if, he's, if, they, if he also is not going to be there, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. But I think the big thing is going to be the – I really think that it's just – it just seems to me like – a situation where I don't think I, I don't see him being there next year. I don't see him being there next year. I do, however, see Grant Weatherford being there next year. Okay. Um. Yeah. Um, I. Um. However, I also, in addition to, uh, in addition to Marcus Burke not being there, I also do not see Elijah Goss being there next year. With him being a redshirt junior, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Um, as for everybody else, I don't. I, I think there's uh, three other guys who are grad, who could potentially grad transfer. Not saying that they actually would. Yeah. Um, but I think one of them is actually hurt, so I don't think he would. Uh, um, I can't remember which one now. But I mean, theoretically, all of them would be could be back. Zoe Tyson is not coming back. He's he's a grad transfer in his own right, so he's definitely not coming back. Yeah. Um, will stick around another year. I don't know about I you know Manette Jalen Minette should come back next year. That'll should. be interesting because um when should. when Milwaukee had its uh actually the, the first of its mass exodus as a result of coaching situations, um after Rob Jeter was fired. Uh-huh. I felt that Jordan Johnson was the best of our returning players. Uh-huh. Akeem Springs winds up in the NCAA tournament as an at-large or with an at-large team, Minnesota. Yep. Austin Arians winds up in the NCAA tournament with an at-large team, Wake Forest. Uh-huh. You know, power conferences. And then Johnson follows Rob Jeter to UNLV, which was just as big a mess. Um, and I don't know if maybe he had bigger offers and just, chose to you know to follow his coach and to you know to be with the guy who brought him there in the first place yeah um but you look at a pair of teams that you know were at large 
I mean, they ended NCAA tournament droughts with, you know, Arians and Springs either starting or in, you know, key bench roles. Yeah. And then Johnson is playing for just a dumpster fire. <laughs> and um, the first two were grad transfers, and Johnson was a sit one, play one, like Manette would be. So, mm-hmm. um, if, you know, it's a situation where it impacts his ability to transfer up. I could definitely see him not jumping at that. Um, I mean, if, hey, maybe loves Indy, doesn't want to go, and Butler doesn't offer, I could see him staying put. Sure. No, I get it. I get it. Um, by the way, uh, the, one of the other ones, I believe, uh, looks like Isaiah Williams. I think Isaiah Williams was the uh, for IUPUI. I think he's the one who got hurt. Yeah, yeah. He got hurt. Uh, he got hurt, and then... The other two are Jacoby Kemp, who played sparingly, if I recall, and who is the other one? Oh, yeah, here we go. The other, yeah, it's, <laughs> so that is the three, there is a, yeah, when I think Jacoby Kemp, I think he only played, averaged, he did not average too many minutes. <laughs> I remember that, at least. And then... Who was the other one? The other one was Jim Jamil Jackson. Oh yeah, yeah. Who was Jamil Jackson was the other one. And I can't remember how many I don't remember how many minutes he played this year. I thought he was starting, honestly. But you know, <laughs> why not? So hard to keep up with. I don't even <laughs> it's so hard to keep up with. But Bob, you do a Horizon League podcast. You should be keeping up with all of this stuff. I know. <laughs> That's why I have. That's why I have you, John, so you can keep up with this stuff. Well, it turns out neither of us are keep holding up. Yeah. So, so yeah, Jamil. So yeah. So Jamil Jackson, his last game. Actually, I think Jamil Jackson got hurt too because I think he got hurt right after the Cleveland State game. Yeah. So yeah, yeah Jamil Jackson. Yeah, Jamil Jackson and Isaiah Williams both get hurt. You have Jacoby Kemp, who is who played sporadically. And so, well, and, and and if you look at kind of the stats for IUPUI, you had three guys, you, your, their entire backcourt averaged what? 30, at least 35, 36 minutes a game at a minimum for all three of them. Yep. Between the three of them. And then the front court, you had kind of a healthy, you had Zoe Tyson and, I mean, what are you supposed to do with that? Honestly, I mean, you, you had... You had those three, you know, you had all of those guys, basically, you had all three of those guys basically averaging almost 40 minutes a game. I mean, if you look at it, because I'm, I'm looking at it right now. In fact, let's see here. So, so Marcus Burke averaged 30 point, 34.9 minutes a game. Jalen Minnett, 35.3. Grant Weatherford, 34.4. Elijah Goss averaged 31.1. Isaiah Williams, before he got hurt, was averaging 20 minutes a game. Yep. Then Zoe Tyson came in and replaced him. I mean, and then and then Jamil Jackson also. I mean, and you had a situation with IUPUI where you had guys who were playing a lot. I mean, a lot, a lot. I mean, between the their starting five probably played more minutes, probably played as many minutes as anybody during the last yeah during the last half of the season so yeah i mean they were they were not running a very yeah could be like the last game before the conference tournament let me just put it to you this way so 
So yeah, you had Wow, that is insane. They had a seven man rotation. Yeah. IUPUI, when they played uh, the last game of the regular season against Detroit Mercy, IUPUI had a seven-man rotation where they had Tyson, Goss, Manette, Burke, Weatherford, Mike DePersia, the first guy off the thing, and then Tavion White, had, had, I think he played a minute that game. <laughs> so, so I mean, realistically, they were running with a six-man rotation? I mean, yeah, and you that's can't expect to win. Definitely. I mean, you can't really necessarily expect to win in the games when you're it was a no. It's an. I mean, it legitimately is a no win situation. What is a no win situation for IUPUI? I mean, these guys ran out of gas. I mean, that's the bottom line. They, you know, they they ran out of gas because you got two guys that are hurt. You got, but also, as you mentioned, their their talent is kind of top heavy. And again, since they're all averaging thirty plus minutes a game, they're all going to run out of gas. Which yeah, is exactly what happened. Kinda, that's kind of where some. Although of it didn't really, uh, although it didn't really make it, although it didn't really make a difference against Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where their issues over the summer for me hit. You know, with Cameron Justice transferring with a uh, Calvin Temple. Yes, he transferred after Gardner, but yeah. they had a guy transfer to Marion College, Nick Rogers. I want to say. Um, yeah, Nick Rogers. And basically, that's, you know, I mean, obviously, Justice would have played a ton of minutes, too. Of but, um, you know, those other guys, the depth, the... Well, like, then the problem then becomes, well, yeah. And now you have at least six of these guys that could potentially grad transfer out. I mean... So you take a bad situation and somehow you could theoretically make it worse. <laughs> Because you have a because now you have, I mean, yeah, this could be this could get severely ugly next year. Because if you get Marcus Burke leaving, if you get Elijah Goss leaving, Zoe Tyson's already gone. If Jamil Jackson and Isaiah Williams, for one reason or another, decide that they don't want to be there anymore, Grant maybe Grant Weatherford changes his mind. I'm not saying he will, but possibly. <laughs> If you got, I mean, Siri. Well, I mean, we're not we're not out of the realm of the possibility of any of these things happening. And if you had, if you even have half of those guys leaving, on top of, on top of, Zoe Tyson leaving for uh, you know leaving because he's you know he's graduating. And who do you have coming in? And who do you have coming in in the face of the fact that? You don't know who the head coach is going to be next year. Now, don't yeah. get me wrong; it looks like it, it does look like that Byron Rim is still kind of Byron Rim and his coaching staff are still operating under the assumption that they will be here next year. But what happens? At, what happens in the event that he's not the coach anymore? What happens then? Yeah, that's a that's, good question. That's, that's a good question. That you know, <laughs> and I don't think anybody at IUPUI is able to answer, can can actually answer that question. I mean, and the and and this is why I think it would be in. This is why I really think it would be in IUPUI's best interest to kind of rip the bandaid off because time is of the essence for them. Time is of the essence for them, and they need to kind of make some decisions that will put them in a better situation next year. Yeah, because and right then... now it doesn't look good for them. 
and that's where another one of their and, and we absolutely and up. we and we we talk about this over and over again. We need to we in order for this conference to get better, every school has to get better. And where where IUPUI is right now, I don't see it. The one spot where I could understand kind of waiting it out is, you know, we've kind of talked about this online and, yeah. and messages and whatnot. Um, if they're going to up their salary to the range of like what Dennis Gates is getting. Yeah. Because uh, Jason Gardner was barely even above half that. Yeah, uh, it's just crazy. Then, by the way, for those scoring at home, uh, by the way, for those scoring at home, Dennis Gates' uh, base salary is 280 a year. Yeah. And by the way, worth every penny. <laughs> worth and every penny. Gardner was at 156. Uh, I believe it was last year, might have been the year before. Um, That's but, insane. Yeah. So That's insane up for that salary, I could understand it because then, you know, maybe you're waiting for uh, a coach to finish their regular season or finish their season. If that's what you're offering, then um, you're not really looking at like a big 10 assistant or anything you're looking at. I mean, I mean, maybe a D2 guy, like, you know, Dan Gerard in town, uh, UND is doing pretty well this year. I think they're like top 15 in the nation and they're private. So it's hard to say, but just based on kind of comparable schools, that's yeah. probably a situation where they could afford him. Possibly. So um, yeah. Making... So I'm looking at, so I'm on verbal commits right now, as of right now, the, they have a letter of intent from, uh, said, uh, said hall, who's a power forward. They have a yellow, they have a letter of intent for him. They also have a verbal from Azaria say. So they have two guys who potentially could come in, but again, the problem is, is that on the junior front, they have seven. Right now, they have seven guys on scholarship who are juniors: Weatherford, Minette, Burke, Jamil Jackson, Jacoby Camp, Elijah Goss, and Isaiah Williams. So I was off. There were seven of them there. <laughs> there are seven of them now. Six of them could theoretically see. Six of them are red shirts. So all theoretically, each of those six of them could grad transfer or do whatever. Again, I'm not saying any of them or any of any or all of them going to do it, but there is a possibility there. And you want to add in the extra wrinkle of Jalen Manette, who, if the NCAA decides, okay, we're going to let everybody do a one-time waiver, all bets are off. Yeah, Manette will find his way to Manette would find his way somewhere else so quickly your head would spin. And again, <laughs> that's no seriously. And th again, that is why that is why timing is of the essence for IUPUI. And I know we've we've talked way too much about IUPUI for one podcast. Again, <laughs> but it's a, but but for the, in order for them to kind of write the ship, they have to get to a point. They they, they it, and I've said that I said this I said this last year when Cleveland State um fired Dennis Felton in July. They had to get things together in fat and quick order, and they picked a guy who was able to get everything in pick in quick order in 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 Dennis Gates, like. So the IUPUI needs the same thing. Only now they have a, they have, you know, it's March. Their, their, their season is done. It's early March. So, um, so yeah, they could, you're absolutely right. They could look down the road to U of Indy. 
Um, I know you've mentioned Benji Taylor from yeah. who is who is now currently the head coach at Division II Tuskegee. Nineteen wins at Chicago State. Nineteen wins in a year at Chicago State. Come on, man. He was interim at Hawaii. Went twenty-one and thirteen. Like, ah, I'm still getting the raw deal. So, yeah, I know you're. I I know you're holding out for Benji Taylor. I'm still believe it's if it's going to be somebody who can work with more with less, it's going to be Tracy Dildy. The current assistant at Detroit Mercy. But they could go hire him now. They really could. Actually, you know what? Honestly, they could hire both of them right yep. now. Either one right, right now, because both of their seasons are over. Yep. There's, you know, theoretically. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, my concern is that, that 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 IUPUI will do what every other school does in this play, in this conference, is get some, you know, some high major, you know, high major assistant that, you know, you know, and it's always such a mixed bag with that though, because right for every, we, for every Dennis Gates, you get a Jason Gardner or a, I'm sorry to say, um, a Pat Baldwin who's fair to middling. <laughs> I just wait until his kid commits. We'll be fine. Sure. Jan. <laughs> But on the flip side, and I want to talk about this a lot more because obviously UIC is in the semis. Um, I I still maintain that, and I, I still maintain that that Steve McLean has has really saved his. I think when when Steve McLean beat both Northern Kentucky and Wright State, I think he saved his season. I think once he did that, I think he was in the clear. But somebody thinks otherwise. <laughs> yeah, but that guy thinks Brian Wordle's getting fired. So yeah, um, so <laughs> so I want to actually talk a little bit about that because this one is such a head scratcher. Um, just because I can. Um, so right before we were getting a little convergence here, mostly because of the fact that um, the, the, a lot of this talked a little bit about the the Missouri Valley. He was talking. This guy was talking specifically about the Missouri Valley Conference, um, which uh, Jim O'Donnell from the Daily Herald in the that's in the Chicago suburbs, correct? If I'm not yeah. mistaken. So so this so this gentleman. I mean, his whole thing was um, his whole thing was. He started out with talking. His primary focus of the column was, was obviously Missouri Valley Conference. Um, he, he's not. A, he's obviously not a fan of Brian Wardle. Called him Baby Man. That was actually pretty funny. Um, <laughs> and of course, you know what? What was it? Three days later. Yeah, that this was on. This is on May, March fourth, and then you know we're recording on Sunday, and of course, you know Brian Wardle and Bradley are heading to the NCAA tournament again. Okay, so. Um, that worked out well. <laughs> so, I don't think he's getting fired. Yeah, I don't think he's getting fired. Yeah, you, you, you can't fire you can't fire a guy who's going to go to the NCAA tournament. Um, exactly. In fact, he in fact now his name is bantied about to to take to take over for uh, uh, take over at uh, at DePaul, and which is like the textbook definition of failing up. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, I'm I, I'm diverging away from uh, I, I want to talk specific because he did mention he has a he had an art, he had a paragraph in this particular column in which he said um, that Steve McLean 
was all but tostado. I mean, and he used the word tostado, and <laughs> I, I got hungry actually. <laughs> I was I was thinking I needed some Taco Bell or something. Um, but yeah, I so essentially, I don't think he's going anywhere. I still don't think he's going anywhere. No, so, and I I agree. I think. I mean, I don't see it. A game shy of matching preseason expectations. I do get that they did just have the uh, athletic director change, but uh, hey, maybe he just puts it all to bed and wins the conference. And so, <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because the final four is, of course, the top four seeds, where we have UI. We have. Um, we have Wright State playing UIC, and we have Green Bay playing Northern Kentucky. The issue here is both of those te- uh, both of those pairings split the regular season. Wright State and IPUI they split the season, and Green Bay and Northern Kentucky split the season. So I don't want to scare everybody, but I'm going to. <laughs> but. And and I I, I think there there is a there is a possibility, albeit remote, that we could theoretically be looking at a UIC Green Bay final. And I'm just gonna scare the crap out of all Wright State and Northern Kentucky fans right now. And I I, I don't mean to, but I want you to be prepared for this scenario. It because might have it's possible than uh than UIC and Loyola in Cleveland. Oh, so. Jesus. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm, look, I'm going to be honest with you. If it's either UIC or Green Bay, we're talking Dayton play in territory by, at that point. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. At that point. Which means, of course, I'm going to have to, like, you know, because this week we have Kyle Craven at, uh, in Indianapolis um, covering the tournament for us. Um, yeah, I'm like, hey, Kyle, would you like to go up to Dayton to cover the playing game? <laughs> Will the NCAA let us? Probably not, but, you know, you never know. <laughs> I mean, what kind of a nightmare scenario would that be if that was the case? Which is why, if, you know, as much as I would enjoy the chaos of having either, uh, of having two 500 teams potentially be uh, the conference tournament champion. We should really, air, we should really be erring on the side of caution and hoping that Wright State and Northern Kentucky are the are the two. Te- uh, one or the other is one of the two teams that that makes it into the tournament. And and, and, and realistically, you know, it, it it's probably. But man, I don't know. Especially, the way, especially the way that UIC has been playing lately. I just don't know. If Purdue-Fort Wayne wins a couple more, you could send Kyle and then he'd be covering two Horizon Leagues. Oh, Jesus. I forgot about that. (laughs) As of right now, yeah, you're absolutely right. As of right now, Purdue-Fort Wayne, who, by the way, will be in the Horizon League next year, is surviving and advancing in the Summit League tournament, which is a freaking miracle in and of itself. (laughs) By the way, I'd like to point out the fact that Purdue-Fort Wayne, which we thought was a better idea than IUPUI to join the league, finished in seventh in the Summit League. Um, yeah, so that's what's happening. 
Six wins in a better league. I'll take it. Oh, great. Yeah, I know. Again, textbook definition of failing up. <laughs> or failing sideways. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we're just yeah, kind so, of so, yeah, so, now. yeah, so that's going to be – but, yeah, I mean, I want everybody to just kind of brace themselves for this possibility. I don't want it to happen. I don't think – I mean, it, it would it, – I mean, with the, the way this league – the way this conference has been all season, it would be par for the course if it actually did happen. It would make <laughs> so much, so much sense. Because it's just been pretty much a a, a a quagmire the whole entire season anyway. <laughs> that it would only be poetic justice that that a UIC or a Green Bay, neither of which is, you know, they'll be, now theoretically if both of them win, both of them will be theoretically above 500 at that point. But yeah, I'm, I don't know, man, I... I as much as I want to root for the chaos, especially uh, as much as I want to root for the chaos, I really don't. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, I'm just like, uh, just let it end, please, for the love of God. Just, just be that team. Yeah, right now UIC is 17 and 16. So if UIC makes it to the finals and somehow upsets Wright State, they will be 18 and 16, and they will be going up against a, they'll be going up against a Green Bay team. That I believe is currently 500 would be one game above 500 going yeah. into the finals if that actually did happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen. Um, I'm saying just in case. <laughs> I do, have, but but I, and it, I, I I keep I, I don't know why I keep harping on this because it would be such a it would be such an amazingly crazy thing for that to all have, kind of all shake out. And again, I wouldn't put it past you know, the way things have gone for that to actually happen. But at the same time, um, you have a Wright State team and you have a Northern Kentucky team that are, you know, they're built for this. They're built for this type of thing. So, and they also both have the double buy, so they've had a little bit more rest than everybody else. Whether that all plays out the way it should, who knows? Crossing fingers, it doesn't. But I mean, <laughs> but you know what? Uh, I will say this. I will say this. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Green Bay is 17 and currently 17 and 15. So, so what would happen is, if Green Bay and UIC won, Green Bay would be 18 and 15, and UIC would be 18 and 16. I don't know, man. It's it's. I, I again, I think the way that. I want to say that it should be much easier, a much easier path for Northern Kentucky and Green Bay, I mean Wright State, given how they have have, have played down the stretch, specifically Northern Kentucky. Um, Northern Kentucky gave Wright State all it wanted um, in that season finale. Yeah, and I think just based, given the makeup of both of those teams, now that now that Northern Kentucky is fully healthy. Now that rights and Wright State has always been pretty stacked the whole time, and I don't see that it shouldn't be that way. But again, for whatever reason, right UIC keeps it gives Wright State headaches. It ha it did all season. It did let it did this season. I don't know. <laughs> it's it seems like a it, it, yeah. I don't know. Do we root for the chaos or no? I don't want to root for the chaos. Uh, I don't know. 
<laughs> so with that said, um, well, and I want to get because of these, and by the way, and because of these two, these two teams, now that they're both kind of above 500, even if they both lose, then comes the next question is they well, obviously they you know, do they make their way into a CIT? As it sounds like, uh, as it sounds like uh, Youngstown State will be doing. Yep. You really do. You think that Green Bay and UIC will go into the CIT? Well, I, don't know about, I don't know about UIC. Green Bay that's, probably. Yeah, that's possibly. the interesting thing. Um, for me, like I think if as a as someone who you know is a fan, I don't really care about the CBI or CIT. I think it's good for the players, you know, obviously with the financial, you know, having to buy your way in, um, some universities might not want to do that. Where I think it's particularly advantageous is when you have a younger team, when you have a lot of your guys coming back. Uh, it, it seems like a lot of kind of the recent teams that made deep runs in the tournament from mid-major leagues did so after it, it was like CBI, then NIT, then NCAA tournament, and now your guys are, you know, seniors, and you're going to the Elite Eight. Yeah. yeah. So I'm no, a big fan of, like, as a team taking that opportunity. Uh, when, when it's a situation where you've got a bunch of seniors who'd be playing, I don't know, maybe not as much. But uh, Good question. In that instance, you know, especially if I, I think Youngstown got a home game. Um, if you have a home game, like, yeah, you can give your seniors a send-off yeah. after you find out they're not going to the tourney. That's cool. Sure. Now, in Youngstown State's case, and, and I think in their case, I think it is more of the latter, that they're a young team that, you know, we that yeah. you know that, that Youngstown State and Jared Calhoun yeah. wants to get a little bit tighter together for next this will be kind of prep for next season because they only have because Youngstown State only has two seniors on that team in Danelle Cathcart and six man of the year Devin Morgan and I think in their case I think it makes a lot of sense because I think from just taking this year as kind of that uh, from what we've learned of Youngstown State this year is that this is a team that definitely has a lot of upside for next year. You because they have their core coming back. They have a guy like they have an all defensive player like Garrett Cummington coming back. They've got a Nas Bohannon coming back, who by the way got hosed big time in the year on awards. You got a guy like Darius Quisenberry coming back. So you got all those, yeah, you know, and you have you definitely have a lot of good other components coming back so when you look at it why wouldn't you take advantage of potentially not only getting one more home one more game under their belt but a home game at that which let's face it if it's a at the beagley center the freaking house of heart attacks why wouldn't you want to do that that's going to be a no matter who they play it's going to be a barn burner and the only thing would be, yeah, that is true. <laughs> exactly. Um, the the only thing would be the cost, and I, I mean, it sounds like they're you know willing to go for it, which is awesome. Which is um, by the which is by the way totally also totally out of character for Youngstown State. <laughs> no, seriously, it is. I mean, I think it's, yeah, with, you, with 
paying Calhoun $200,000 a year base salary and then dropping, what is it, like almost 50 grand to host Something a game? Something like that, yeah. What? Hey, more power to you. But yeah, that's it. But it's funny. But that's a that's in, But that part is kind of, kind of the caveat. Uh, but but also too, and I think it, it for me uh, for also too. I think it's for especially for Youngstown State. I think the opportunity to I keep forgetting. Yeah, I can, there's like a whole bunch of guys on there that that you could definitely they definitely want to get more playing time for like a Michael, Michael Akuche, like a Jameer Thomas, a definitely a Jama, a Jelani Simmons, yeah. all those guys, you know, to get them in and get them some extra minutes for one more game, but also too. And this is, I think this is for, from a psychological standpoint would be far more advantageous for Youngstown state. Youngstown State would have the opportunity to win one more win a win a 19th game. And to put it in perspective, Youngstown State has only won 19 games three times since they've been a Division I school. Three times. Yeah. And how many and, and care guess how long they've been a Division I school, John? Um all the 21st century. Since the nineties, I think, right? Like 40, early 90s? Uh, approximately forty years they've been a, a division oh my God. school. Almost I forty like years they've been wow. yeah, exactly. I I actually had to I had to look this up like three times. Because <laughs> I, I, I wanted to make sure my math was correct and it was yeah. And then so this would be only the third time they've won nineteen games over the course of the last yeah, over the last go forty years, that's a big deal. <laughs> Which is, but it's crazy because if you look at the history, if you actually do look at the history of Youngstown State, as it, when back in the seventies as a Division two school, they're actually pretty good. It, it blows me away that that Youngstown, those Youngstown State teams from the seventies, are so much are just they were barn burners. It was <laughs> insane. No, I'm not. I, I'm not even joking. I mean, those were, yeah. I mean, it's insane because they had, and they had such a great run. I mean, starting because they started in the NIA, NAIA for in the fifties and the six. Yeah, I mean, the sixties and seventies under Dom Roselli, up until like 1981 when they jumped over to Division One. They started in Division One in 1981, so they've been there 39 years. But yeah, I mean, just looking at it, it's just like. You know, yeah, and I'm looking through it. One, you know, they had a they had a 20 and nine season under the late Dan Peters. John Robich got a 1911 season. Jerry Slocum didn't do anything. Jerry <laughs> Slocum, Jerry Slocum had one game, one season where he was 18 and 16. And I think I was uh, so. Yeah, so. Yeah, so this will be the fourth time that they fourth time in the 39 year history that they've been in division one, that they'll have won 19 games. That's, you know, and if yeah, you, nice. if you have the opportunity to do that and kind of, kind of as a signature of the progress that Youngstown state has made under Jared Calhoun, I do it, do it. Absolutely. And do it in front of your home crowd too. Cause they clearly they have been more than supportive of you. Yeah, no. And I mean, I agree. So, yeah. 
I, I know we skewed a little further off of where yeah, I think that was it. I mean, <laughs> cause I, had a, um, yeah, cause you know, I mean, what, what more can we say about Wright state in, in Northern Kentucky that we haven't already said other than to scare the crap out of both of their fan bases by saying <laughs> the possibility they could lose. Uh, in all honesty, I think, like I said, I think Wright State is is up to the. I think both teams are Wright State especially um, is up to the task. I don't think I know they. Prov- I know UIC gives them headaches, but at the end of the day, Wright State is still Wright State. So um, I think they prevail, and I think um, Northern Kentucky might have a few other a few bigger issues just because of the just because of the fact that they got a new coach. But I mean, the core has been there forever, so I don't know. I, I think they would just, just like I, I still do believe, honestly, it will be a Wright State Northern Kentucky finals. Hopefully, I'm correct, <laughs> but I could be wrong. I'm just, I'm just throwing out the possibility that I could be wrong. <laughs> so, so that is that's all I had. Um, anything else you want to add in there, John? We covered a lot um, of different things. Not really. We even, threw in, some, we even threw in some Brian Wardle slander while we were at it. Always. <laughs> Got to give the people what they want, man. Yeah, yeah. crowd pleaser. <laughs> yeah, so... So next week, John. Um, next week, John, I've got you back on again. You and Kyle will be on with us for Selection Sunday, so that ought to be fun. Um, it may, and again, in the chaos scenario, even more fun than than it already will be. Ooh, I got one more thing. <laughs> oh, one more thing. If oh. Wright State wins it, I'm yeah. just going to say to a certain Green Bay fan, they're going to be a 14 seed. Really? Yeah. You think they're going to be a 14? Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, I, I I know that at least uh, a couple of bracketologists thought they might be a 15 seed, and one even had them matched up against a certain team down the road called Dayton, which would be interesting. But you know, yeah, if they're a 15, they're absolutely going to play Dayton. <laughs> oh, that is good, and they're going to play Dayton in Cleveland. Bet that will happen. <laughs> it'll be it'll be Wright State and Dayton in Cleveland, which is funny because Dayton will never play Wright State either at Dayton or at Wright State, so they might as well just go to Cleveland. <laughs> Can't dodge it now, can you, Dayton? So, I don't know. I don't want to see Obi Toppin. <laughs> I mean, that kid can the ball. I'm, a little, I'm, a, I'm afraid of that guy. <laughs> it's no worry. Dayton won't be a three seed. They will not be a three seed, no. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> so, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, so... So that's going to do it for us, John. Again, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, jumping on in, we'll we'll talk to you. In, we'll talk to you and Kyle next week. Um, that should be fun because I know we'll probably have a little bit more information about who's going where. Um, probably not too much information, but um, anyway, that's all we got. And as always, and I'm out of gas, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, all right. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. You can uh, you, you can find episodes of the Horizon Roundtable and HorizonRoundtable.com. I'm sure John's going to write something this week. I don't doubt it. Kyle will probably have something up there too because he's obviously an indie for us. Um, we haven't figured out what though. So, um, but I'm sure it'll be something good. The power uh, rankings are going to be out tomorrow morning. Okay, bring uh, <laughs> us on Sunday, all, so Monday morning. So yeah, so so if you're if you're listening to this. If you're listening to this after Monday morning, if 
I mean, theoretically, you know, you could say it's tomorrow morning. I mean, if you're listening to this on Wednesday and it's still not out yet, I mean, maybe, who knows? <laughs> it happens sometimes, but I'm, I'm pledging Monday right. morning. So, so RiseOnRoundTable.com, uh, episodes of the podcast, um, what John's writing, what Kyle may be writing or recording. We haven't fig- Again, we haven't figured it out yet, but it's going to be good, I'm sure. Um, you can also find episodes of the Rise and Roundtable on wherever podcasts are available. So uh, that's going to do it. And thank you all for listening.